0: This is Stand Up for the Truth. Brand new day, brand new week. It is Monday, August 14, 2023. A fresh new podcast. I'm Crash Connell, producer here of Stand Up for the Truth. And uh, we welcome our uh, our live listeners on our FM frequencies and also online at Q90FM.com slash listen. Uh, 12, 13 years, I think it's been on. Uh, Stand Up for the Truth has been on Q90FM. And it's the first time that this gentleman is going to be hosting the show. One of the founders, uh, leads a Kingsman's ministry, Bible study, general manager, Lee Dudak. Hey, it's a real joy to be with you this morning. Thank you,
1: Crash. Um, yeah, this is a little bit different than doing a Q-Drive, but uh, it's a blessing to be with you. And we've got a very special Stand Up for the Truth plan for you today. And this program is geared toward the men who are listening uh, or will listen to this podcast after it's posted. We uh, want to talk with you guys about a couple of important issues that really uh, impact our life in Christ. And we'll be introducing our guest, Brett Henderson, here in just a minute. Uh, We're going to zero in on a subject that is very important, and that is our identity in Christ, what that really means. And then we're going to talk about what are the big five man killers that really get in the way of guys truly zeroing in on their true identity in Christ. Uh, I've got a scripture I'd like to read, and then we'll open with prayer, and then we'll introduce our, our guest today. Uh, Brent Henderson. The scripture that uh, I'd like to read comes from 2 Corinthians 5.17, and it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And when a man becomes a new creation, he's given a purpose by God. And we're going to talk about that with Brent today. He's going to guide us and take us through what that looks like and and how we can truly get a handle on who we are in Christ. So, Father, we commit this hour to you. We thank you for the guys who are tuned in and listening today. And uh, we ask your blessing upon them and their families as they lead and as they uh, serve courageously, as they uh, pursue to be men after God's own heart. Bless our time with Brent today as he guides and directs us as to how do we truly get a grip on our identity in Christ? What does that really mean? And how does that impact our life in terms of our purpose in life? Father, it's a, it's a joy to uh, be here today and to have this time together to share. And we thank you and praise you for your blessing upon this hour. Guide and direct our discussion in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Our guest, Brent Anderson is a in demand speaker, author, professional outdoorsman, John Maxwell, certified life coach, ordained pastor, and recording artist. Brent's also the founder and executive director of Unleashed.Men, just launched a new podcast uh, that's really uh, catching on and and growing quickly. Uh, It's a a wonderful podcast. He's toured with Dove and Grammy Award winning artists including Stephen Curtis Chapman, Sandy Paddy, Avalon, and Crystal Lewis. Brent has been featured at hundreds of outreach and equipping events, including the Billy Graham Crusade, Promise Keepers, and Iron Sharpens Iron. He also speaks more than 60 times a year for men's retreats, wild game dinners, men's conferences, discipleship training, and in schools and churches all around the world. Brent Henderson, my brother, welcome. Good to have you on Stand Up For The Truth.
2: Man, it's so good to be here. It's good to hear your voice again. It's been too long.
1: Well, you know, they don't let me in front of this mic too often, but Brent, uh it is a, a joy to a chat with you here this morning.
2: Is there a good reason for that?
1: Well, yeah, there is. Uh I had an opportunity I was very thankful for the opportunity yesterday to address our men before each service at our church at Christ the Rock and De Pier. And I asked the guys these questions and and uh I I I just put it out there to see what they would uh how they would respond, and, and the first question was, "Why am I here? Or who am I really? Or what is my purpose in this life? Will I make a difference? Am I good enough?" And I tried to explain that these serious questions are are, are something that that men struggle with quite a bit uh, in, in finding the answers to. So we have you with us today, Brent, uh, to uh, share from your heart and from the Word how God uh, helps provide the answers to these questions. So with that said, I'd like to turn it over to you, and uh, what would you like to chat with us about today, brother?
2: Oh, man, you know, it's it's one of those things where I really don't have an agenda. It's whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do with this conversation. You know, we, we kind of touched base a little bit before this, and, you know, we walked a few, uh, few, I came and speak this morning. See, it's one of those things it's just early. This is what happens when you get old. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like, yeah. no, wait a minute, I'm, I'm taking two words and trying to mix them into one word. I do that all the time, but you know, it's whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do with this. So we can we can start off and, and um, see what He does with it if that's okay with you guys. Sounds good. But well, I think you know I, what you were talking about those questions. You know the you know why am I here? Who am I really? All these things. Um, you know, John Eldridge wrote a book years ago, I think it was around 2000, and it was called Wild at Heart. And I'm sure a lot of your listening audience, you know, the guys especially are familiar with that. It was, it was one of those things where I think maybe for the first time in my lifetime that I was hearing Christian teaching that masculinity is something that, you know, that God bestowed on us. Mm-hmm. Fem- femininity can never bestow masculinity. And it's okay to be masculine. You know, this culture we live in now, you know, it's like... It's almost like a bad word when you talk about masculinity. And you know it isn't. God made it, and he made it to be a good thing. when he made when he made Adam, he made Adam you know in a way and for a reason and for a purpose. And when he made Eve, you know the beauty, the the passion, everything, he made her feminine for a reason. And boy, you put the masculine and the feminine together, you know, in that relationship with a man and a woman, and it's a beautifully powerful thing and and, and purpose begins to come alive when all those parts, you know, begin to, um, you know, awaken. And man, when especially like for me, and I know like with my wife, Stacy, if she's, you know, fanning the flames of like the new podcast that I've got out, that's like saying, sick him to a dog. You know, that encouragement that that he put through the feminine voice to speak into the masculine just wakes me up. And I cannot wait, you know, to see what God's going to do when I'm on fire for Him and know I have that support, you know, underneath. But, you know, everything, this is something I talk about a lot. My wife will tell you, I mean, it's like every day. We always, and we have been for years. But it's all about identity. You know, why am I here? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not to get your, get your identity from what your job title is, how much money you make, what your wife looks like, what kind of truck you drive, what your education level is, you know, all this stuff that we try to to get it from. And we all do it. And we say we don't, but yet we'll catch ourselves doing it almost on a daily basis. That somehow we're getting something out of someone, you know, looking at how we look or what we do, and they and they make a mention of it or whatever. And we do find ourselves getting our worth and value from the wrong place. But you know, the three words that and I'll probably say this when I'm speaking for your event up there, guys. There's three words I want you to remember tonight, and I'll say, Are "You ready?" I'll wait for them to get their pencils if they have them. And then I'll say, you don't need those, because here they are. Number one is identity. Number two is identity. And number three is identity. Everything comes back to identity. And so the answer, really, if we could, you know, this hour-long show we're doing, it really could be summed up in this. When you have the God of the universe in you, in other words, God, when you believe, he put his promised Holy Spirit in your spirit, guaranteeing your inheritance into the kingdom of heaven, Ephesians chapter 1. And that's it. Your identity is, is secure in Him now. It doesn't come from how many good things you do or how many bad things you do. He's, his righteousness is the only thing righteous within us. And when we have that, now we don't have to be afraid of, of um, you know a failure anymore. Amen. Um, amen, we Walk Brett. in humility. We don't have to try to prove it to other people. You know how good or how, whatever we are. So,
1: amen. And yeah. you know, yeah. living this Christian life, if we truly live it and stand up for the truth as we are doing here this morning. Uh, it's going to be met with some challenges. As men, we're going to go through some challenging times taking a stand on the truth and God's Word and what we believe in. I love what it says in Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And in your book... The roar within, unleashing the powerful truth of who you really are. You said this, Brent. A man's purpose isn't man-made. It comes from God. And the only one whose opinion really matters is God's, period. Because of God's gift of grace through his Son, a man doesn't need to, in his own strength, anxiously perform to please God. Creating our own purpose in an attempt to please God or others takes us away from what God wants for us and puts us in the place of being our own master. So we're here this morning to, again, talk to you uh, men, uh, brothers in Christ out there. But for our ladies who are listening as well, uh, please take what we share with you today and encourage your men. Uh, come around yeah. your husband uh, and, and encourage him. Uh, help him uh, to uh, really get a grasp at what it means to have a true understanding of his identity in Christ. So, Brent, uh, some questions that we have here that I'm wondering if we could zero in on. Uh, painful happenings in our past can rob us of our present. They can stand in the way of really having a, a total grasp on who we are in Christ. Uh, could you share a little bit more about uh, that concept?
2: You know, I think it's, I don't have um, you know, my Bible in front of me, but I know it's, it's uh, Romans 14, uh, verse 1, maybe 1 and 2. Uh, be careful not to judge others because they have their own you know, history to deal with. So, and that's the painful happenings in our past, what it can do. Every single one of us have had things happen to us. You know, We experience things, and those experiences shape how we believe. So when we see somebody you know, that that is acting out, I think it's easy to want to judge someone quickly because of the action we see them doing. But the action came from an emotion that they were feeling, and that emotion came from a thought they were having, And here's the thing with that thought. You have to understand where those thoughts are coming from. And this is really key. When you look at, you know, shaping like painful happenings from our past, why do they drive us to do, you know, unhealthy things? Mm -hmm. Well, because our belief system was formed through those experiences. Unless we know how to untangle you, like when something happened to us, maybe we blame ourselves. Maybe it was sexual abuse or something that happened as a child, and you begin to think I was bad. Well, you were a child. This wasn't your fault, yet we begin to carry shame, and we'll talk about shame in a little while, and that that feeling that we have of shame makes us believe enough, good enough, and then what happens is in our thought is when I'm believing I'm not good enough, all of a sudden my thoughts go awry, creating unhealthy emotions, creating unhealthy actions, and we're really quick to judge someone by the action they're doing. You know, I, I work with people and do a lot of coaching all the time. And one of the first things I say when I get a guy come in and he's telling me, you know, whatever his sin or whatever was going on, I'll say, first of all, I want you to know I'm I'm sorry that you you went through that. And I'm sorry, you know, that you bought into the lies that made you feel like that was the right thing to do. Maybe it's a porn addiction or alcohol or whatever. But they didn't get there overnight. It was one of those things. See, the enemy knows this. Sin is really attractive. That's why it always has an immediate payoff. Mm -hmm. Right? And so he loves to dangle that carrot in front of our nose to get us to go someplace that if we were on our A game and thinking right, thinking, you know, believing the word and knowing the word, he loves to, to try to catch us and, and throw us off so we will want to run to something that makes us feel good for the moment rather than going to God. Because it's like, I just want to ban, I don't feel good right now, whether it's, you know, that, that, you know heavy heavy drinking, like I said, or porn or whatever, they want to get that rush to try to make themselves feel better. And what happens after that? They feel worse about themselves. And then what do they want to do? Well, now they feel bad. So they go and do something else to try to please the flesh to feel good for the moment. And you can see it's a you know, wash, rinse, and repeat. And here's something, Lee. This is interesting. I was just thinking about this. I, I hadn't written the next book yet, but I was going to put this in there. When you think about, when you've heard of what grooming is, like when, and we see this in the news happening a lot, like that Sound of Freedom movie that came out, when they groom children. Mm-hmm for a purpose. And and, and it's, you know, it's terrible what's been happening, but the enemy, what he does with us is he grooms us. And here's, here's one of the ways he does it. When we act out, you know, he puts the unhealthy thought in our mind, because remember, Christ is my one true identity. God's spirit is in my spirit. So when I have an unhealthy thought, where's that thought coming from? You know, is it coming from the pizza I had last night? Is it coming from God? Is it coming from the enemy? Well, John eight forty four. you know, Jesus calls out Satan and says he's the father of lies. When he speaks, there is no truth within him. Mm-hmm. So when you have an unhealthy thought that causes an unhealthy emotion, you know you're buying into a lie that came from the enemy. So here's what the enemy does. He's putting this, this stuff in our heads. So let's say someone goes and they act out. And let's say it was something like pornography. And they act out and they feel really bad and they don't want anyone to find out. Because what would they think about me if they knew that I had acted out in an unhealthy way? So then what the enemy does is he gets in your head and he says, you know what? You are bad. That really was disgusting. But you know what? We're just going to keep that between us. Because if anybody else knew, they would judge you. You They would shun you. But I won't. No. You probably need to work on that, but I'm going to keep it our little secret. And you can see exactly what he does. He is grooming us to become close to him because he wants to make God God look bad, like, you know what God would think about that? But I won't do that to you. Amen. It's dangerous what the enemy does. I said this at the game dinner a couple of nights ago. I said, I don't know about you guys, but I'm tired of being chased by the enemy. It's time to reverse roles. It's time for us to go after him.
1: Amen. You know, I read in Romans 6, uh, verse 6, it says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, with Christ, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And I'm just wondering, Brent, if guys are really struggling to understand who they truly are in Christ, if that leads them to running from their problems or believing that somehow by ignoring them, they could make their struggles go away.
2: Um, Well, and, And the whole thing comes down to this. The enemy wants to make you feel like you're not good enough. Because then you're never going to step up. You're not going to address the problems because you feel like by doing that, it, it's an admission that I am a failure or what I did was a failure and there's something wrong with me. And this is, like I said, identity. Your identity is Christ in you where there is no sin. But the enemy doesn't want you to look at that place. It's like, imagine this for a second. Imagine that you've got, like it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, you're made of three parts. You're made of a body and a soul and a spirit. Mm-hmm. Now, for you bow hunters, I want you to think about being like an archery target, you know, all the different rings. The outside ring, your body, that's your flesh. That's a thing that we can see. The next circle in, that's your soul. Now, your soul is not the eternal part of you. That's where your your choices, your will, your thoughts, your emotions happen. But your spirit, that's the eternal part, the core of who you really are and the place where God put his promise, Holy Spirit in you the moment you truly believed. So the enemy wants us to to live in the outer rings um, and never really get to that core of who we really are because he can keep us playing this game, you know, forever because we're trying to, again, again, get our good enough from from all these external things. Yes, sir.
1: Well, Brent, I've got uh, something I want to share with you, but once again, we want to welcome you to our Stand Up for the Truth broadcast today. I'm Lee Dudek, um, guest host today. Uh, It's a privilege to be with you, and uh, speaking to the men who are listening today, uh, we pray that you would truly understand who you are in Christ, and not to uh, shy away from who you are in Christ, to truly live that out in your life. Our guest today is Brent Henderson, nationally known speaker. He speaks at a lot of events, similar to the event that we'll have coming up at Christ the Rock Church in De Pere on September 22nd. We're having a sportsman's dinner. Brent is going to be our featured guest. Brent, I did a little research and I looked up the definition for the word identity. And here's what I came up with. It says this, the collective aspect of the set of characteristics by which a thing or a person is definitely recognizable or known. And it goes on to explain, so our new identity in Christ should be recognizable both to ourselves and to others. Uh, Why do men struggle to be able to... Really recognize who they are in Christ.
2: Again, it's like it's just that whole game. It's that we get our worth and value from from what we've done. Let me let me me say it this way. There's something I talk about. It's called the big lie, and this is where I was going to go a second ago. Mm -hmm. You know, when when he talks about Satan being a liar and the father of lies, every one of us, believers um, or non-believers, whatever, we all struggle with something I call the big lie, and the big lie simply says this that my performance, how I perform, plus other people's opinions equals my self-worth. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Yeah. My worth and value will never come from what I do or what I don't do or what somebody else thinks about me. And that's the, the trap that we all fall into. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter you know where you've been or what you've done. Um, your identity in Christ doesn't change. You, you Your righteousness doesn't go away because... You know, you looked lustfully at a woman. Now, are there consequences for sin? Well, of course, to are, because our Father loves us. And you, go, you think about, like, David. You know, why didn't God stop David from having the affair? Mm-hmm. Well, it's going to sound crazy, but he didn't stop him because he loved him. He's like, what do you mean he loved him? He'd have stopped him. No, David needed to learn. You can't see something until you can truly see it, and you can't know something until you really know it. David needed to be able to hit bottom. He needed to be able to come to the end of himself, his own desires. And there's a huge difference between condemnation and conviction. The enemy wants you to feel condemned because that leaves you in hiding, feeling bloody and battered. And that's what the enemy wants. Mm -hmm. God wants you to be convicted, which is a beautiful thing because conviction leads to two things, repentance and obedience. God doesn't want you being obedient just because you're ashamed and you feel you should in order to get things from Father or to be good enough. Conviction is a beautiful thing because it lets you know that what you are thinking or doing is not healthy, and he wants you to be transformed, like Romans 12, too, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We can't transform ourselves, but we keep trying to, don't we, by all the actions we do, to try to be good enough. And it doesn't just happen, you know, with our buddies hanging around, you think about going to church, you know, how am I dressed, how do I sound, how much involvement do I have, what do people think about me? Mm -hmm. And you know, am, am I you know, on the worship team? Am I one of the lead singers or whatever the thing can look like? We keep trying to get our good enough from how we perform and what other people think about it. And so I'll tell you what, guys, if you're looking for a powerful um, verse on this, I'm going to just for a second, you know, I'm just going to go to the MSG version. I don't have it in front of me. Sure. Um, but I love this paragraph of it. But Paul is talking here and he's talking about, and remember, Paul was a lawman's lawman, right? He was keeping the law, doing everything. Everyone knew him as that. But when he, you know, gets knocked off a horse, blinded, God speaks to him. All he's saying, his his life is transformed. In that moment, when he writes, it's in it's in Galatians two, and I think it's verse uh, nineteen through maybe thirty one or something. I forget, but it's it's right there. Mm-hmm. But what he's talking about is God revealed to him that he no longer has to impress God in order to be good enough. That Jesus, when he came in, gave him his good enough. Yes. And that's the, that's the core to all of it. When we understand no one or nothing that I do can take my righteousness away because it was a free gift from God. No one can take away what God gave you. And I think when we finally get that in our head, we begin to walk with God because we realize how much he loved us. We begin to experience grace. You know, when I was a kid, Lee, I would, I would like almost, I don't want to say mock amazing grace, but I'd be like, okay, I've heard this. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, why do we keep singing this song? Well, the older you get, you realize how true and how amazing His grace really is, and it it can't not move you once you get it. So David, he had to see it. He had to know it. It's the same thing with us. We keep trying to get our worth and value from the wrong place, so God allows us to keep doing it until finally goes, how's that working for you? (laughs) And He allows us to hit bottom, and that's a beautiful thing, because challenges are gifts. Well, Brentton's in, in Christ
1: In Romans chapter 8, 15 through 16, this verse really speaks to my heart because um, I didn't have much of a father growing up. He was out of my life when I was 13, and I was really searching for a father and I met my Abba father at the age of 25 and um, thankful uh, to be called his son. It says here, "For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption." by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I mean, uh, brother, you're my brother. Uh, The men that are listening right now, if they're in Christ, we are all brothers. We have one Abba, Father that we can go to with whatever it is in life. And I love what you said here, Brent. It says this, it's only when you embrace that your worth and value come from your identity in Christ and you are already good enough because the God of the universe is in you that you are truly free. So, Can
2: we unpack something real quick? Yes, sir. we got a few minutes before break. Yep. you know A lot of guys are saying, you know, I, I, I do feel those things like I need other people's good opinions of me or I feel like I need to perform to a certain way. And so those are the lies that we're buying into. So. How do we identify? Because obviously it's a thought that's making you feel that way, right? So it's whenever we're thinking makes us, it creates an emotion. So how then do I know if this is the enemy messing with me, putting these thoughts in my head, or is that the voice of God speaking to me? How do we know? This is something that I wish I've known it for about 15 years. I wish I'd have known it, you know, like all of us decades ago. But here's how simple this really is. If the thought you are thinking creates an emotion that lines up with the deed to the flesh in Galatians chapter five, mm-hmm. then you know, there's a lie twisted in with what you're thinking. Because if that thought that I was having created emotions that line up with the fruit of the spirit, you know, love, peace, patience, joy, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, all that stuff, self-control. Then we know that's coming from God because the thoughts that God puts into our, into our mind creates healthy things. When the enemy puts those thoughts in our head, it creates unhealthy things. There was a, uh, a book years ago, you probably read it, um, it was, um, oh, I'm trying to think the name of it now. This The, the Screwtape Letters, mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. And in that book, you've got Satan, and he's got one of his little demon nephews or something with him, and he's telling the nephew, if you want to get these Christians, here's how you do it. You either keep their thoughts in the past or in the future. Because the past is all about the regret, right? I wish I would have, if I would have only, whatever. And we all have those regrets And the enemy wants you to park your car in that space because it keeps you depressed, keeps you down. When you think about then the future thought, the enemy also wants to keep your thoughts there. What if my wife leaves me? What if I lose my job? What if my daughter gets pregnant? What if my son gets on drugs? It's all those what ifs. And so, you know, maybe you're driving your car right now. I want you to try something. I want you to try to have um, an unhealthy emotion. But here's the only thing. You're not allowed to think about anything from your past and you're not allowed to think about anything from your future. You can't do it. God wants us to stay present where He is. He has a plan and a purpose for our life. Was a Henry Blackaby experiencing God, he says, watch where God is at work and then join Him in it. When I'm busy looking for what my father is doing and walking with Him, I don't have those thoughts taking me back to my past or worried about tomorrow because my identity is in Him. I trust Him because He gave me everything He had of Himself, And now this journey is going to be amazing because I get to watch him at work no matter what happens.
1: Amen. You talk about our past, Brent, and you address it uh, in in terms of putting on a mask, kind of wearing some type of a disguise that really doesn't reveal to others who you truly are. And uh, I, I can imagine it can be very easy to get caught up in that, especially if we are bound by the lies that Satan tries to infiltrate into our heart and mind. Uh, And think about
2: how sad that is, Lee. Yeah, think about it. Yeah, it's terrible. Think about this. I want to be loved by others. Everybody does. Mm -hmm. So when I feel like I need to wear the mask in order to be loved, the truest part of me, the part that I really want to be loved, isn't being loved. Because I'm having to pose to get you to like me. You know, John Lynch in his book, um, The Cure, wrote this line. It's one I'll never forget. He says, imagine a place so safe that I could share the worst about myself and actually be loved more, not less, for the telling of it. That's what life looks like when we don't have to wear the mask. It's beautiful.
1: And then we don't have to be seeking others' respect all the time, to feel good about ourselves, to feel good enough. We are good enough in Jesus Christ. And what a wonderful sense of peace and joy that gives us as men to know that and to believe that and to trust in him for all things. Just, just very thankful. Hey, Brent, we're going to be going to a break here in a little bit. Uh, you're listening to Stand Up For The Truth. We have a special broadcast today. Uh, my name is Lee Dudek. Thank you for listening in. Our guest is Brent Henderson, nationally known speaker, who has a powerful uh, ministry to men around the country. And uh, we're going to be uh, back uh, after our break to talk about the five man killers, uh, the things that uh, are really a struggle for many men, uh, and uh, but are not the end of the world. There, there is hope through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we'll be right back with you in a couple minutes. Thank you.
0: And a reminder that we have some good guests coming up, uh, some informative guests on Stand Up For The Truth. And you can check it out at the upcoming tab on our website, StandUpForTheTruth.com. Upcoming John Haller will be on this broadcast. Alyssa Childers, Trish Burton, Jeff Wigland, Monday, Scott Shara will be in as the guest host, and he has a great show planned on Friday with his guests. Our rather Monday, StandUpForTheTruth.com dot com, and be sure that you share us on your social medias because we are shadow banned. Back in two minutes. Feedback, questions, and topic suggestions are always appreciated. Email us at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Well, welcome back.
1: This is Stand Up For The Truth, Monday, August 14th. Uh, Lee Dudek here as your uh, guest host today with Crash Connell. And we're here with our brother in Christ, Brent Henderson, having a good discussion on what it means to truly have an identity in Christ that we truly believe in, trust in, and, and rely upon for each day of our life. But we're going to switch gears a little bit for the final half hour of the program and get into uh, what Brent describes as the Big Five man-killers. So, Brent, I'm going to cut you loose, and um, why don't you walk us through what uh, these particular issues are that really are a struggle for men these days. Yeah.
2: You know, the Big Five man-killers came about, it really and it happened during COVID. You know, we talked about identity, getting our worth and value from all these other places. And, and I had been, you know, working and renewing my mind for years and all that. So I was doing really well, I thought, until, until COVID hit. And as a speaker and an author, um, on March 14th of 2020, every, my phone started ringing off the hook. Every single event I had for about the next 16 months canceled because of social distancing. Mm-hmm. Well, now at that point, you're going, it's not just a loss of income. But that's what you do, and somehow men, what we do is we relate who we are with what we do. We all do that, and that's when the identity thing came back and bit me because I went, wait a second, I'm forgetting my identity comes from Christ in me, and I'm going back to, wait a second, what I do is who I am, which is not true. But as I begin to you know buy into that, that those thoughts that oh my gosh, you know I'm, I can't, I'm not going to be getting my new book out, and all these events cancel, you know those are the lies the enemy was was throwing on me. Like God's not going to take care of you. Oh, he probably won't. Well, your, your identity does come from that. Well, you know, it was it was a beautiful thing because Baker Books, who put out my last book, The Roar Within, um, got a hold of me and they said, listen, um, you know, with COVID, we're going to have to back up the release of your, your new book for about a year. Hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, man. And they said, but here's the thing. We were looking at, at the transcript of this, and you talked about these big five man killers a little bit, but you never really – talked you know individually about them would you be willing to go back to the transcript which they had already accepted as final and go back and rewrite and put each one of those uh man killers in there with their own subject matter and content and i was like oh we've got time well over the next you know year god began to allow things to happen in my life move me in different ways to where i would begin to put these things down and here's a funny story when i almost walked away because I thought, I'm just going to go get another job. And I did do something in the in-between town to make ends meet, which was important. Mm-hmm. But we went to um, one of my friends first. And we sat with him and said, what do you feel God would be saying to me about the ministry? Do I walk away and do something else now? And he said, Brent, I'm hearing these three words from the Holy Spirit. Stay the course. Amen. Well, my wife was like, oh, well, it's kind of scary. You know, we need that constant income. So we went to another godly man that, that I, I knew. And he said, Brent, God's given me three words for you. Stay the course. And she's like, great. Well, she knows this about me. When God is really speaking something to me, for whatever reason, he has them happen in threes. We're pulling in our driveway after church, and we have two neighbors that we we never see, and they get out of their car, and they wave, and the the man yells, stay the course. That's all he said. (laughs) Confirmation. She looked at me. She's like, why does God speak to you like this? And I said, I think because what he's doing is really important to reach men right now. And I yeah. think he needed you to see that too. Because like I was said, that, that encouragement support that we need from our, you know, our, our, our spouse. So I went on Facebook. Here's how this happened. I went on Facebook. I have a, a private group on there called um, Unleashed Men. It's a, you know, just for men only. Mm-hmm. I said, guys, here's a whole bunch of things men struggle with, you know, anger, lust, jealousy, you know, a big list, maybe 10 or 12 things. I said, I want you to narrow these down to what I call the big five. I just want your top five in order of significance for you. I thought, you know, lust or anger would be number one. It wasn't even close. Hmm. Number one big man killer that men struggle with ended up being lack of purpose. And it like I said, it wasn't even close. I never had seen that before as being even in, maybe even in the top ten. Wow. And it was number one, hands down. So the reason I call these the big five man killers in Africa, you've got the big five: you've got um, the rhino, uh, the lion, the cape buffalo, uh, the elephant, and the leopard. And they're given the name big five because of how deadly they are to hunt. I mean, mm-hmm. five of the deadliest animals on the planet. So we started off. I went with um, you know lack of purpose, and so I gave that one to the rhino, and I gave each one of those those uh, animals each one of those categories. And so I gave the rhino that, and there's a reason i filmed um you know rhinos i'm getting a drink real quick i've filmed rhinos in Africa and they're lethargic i mean they just they sleep a lot they take mud baths um, if you want, if you want to find them you just look for their dung piles literally they're the size of your your kitchen table i mean yeah. or bigger because yeah. they keep going in the same spot so that's how you locate them but you look at these and you think they're so lethargic and they don't do much of anything but they are a killer absolutely a killer um, you, you think about a man in his, in his purpose. If he lacks purpose, he gets lethargic. He begins to just shut down. He might start gaming excessively. He might start running to pornography or drinking heavily or whatever that thing is because at the core, he doesn't feel good enough or he'd have a purpose. So the enemy keeps trying to mask our purpose by throwing all these unhealthy thoughts like you're not good enough or you would have a purpose. You'd be involved in all these things. People would want you or whatever. And it, when we were filming, uh, rhinos over in Africa, I'll never forget this. Mm-hmm. Our guy going back into the bush was telling us about how deadly these things can be. And he said, I was out here getting ready to dart a rhino, uh, to give it inoculations. They dart them and then they, uh, when they're, they're for about 10 minutes, they're, they're kind of down. They, they stand up on their feet, but they're just pretty much unconscious. And then they give them shots and stuff. He said, I went to dart this rhino and The rhino, as I went to pull the trigger, saw me. Now, rhinos can only see about 25 feet, right? He said, and it saw me. And I says, I knew better than to do this, but I ran. And he saw the movement, and it came on a full, well, before it came on a full charge, he says, as soon as I shot it, it started going back and forth on its front feet and hind feet. And I said, what's that? He said, it's called the rhino romp. I said, what's the rhino romp? He said, that's what they do right before they kill you. He said, so I take off running, the rhino sees me, and as it comes up from behind him, it literally drives that first horn, the one at the very end of his nose, the long one, up through his thigh. And as the rhino is now running with him, skewered on this thing, he's trying to think, how can I get off of here? And the rhino tips his head back and throws him on the second horn, breaks his back, and then tosses him into an acacia tree, which is like a honey locust tree, but, you know, big hypodermic needle-sharp thorns. So never think that, you know, that lethargic thing that you're feeling is is it's not deadly because it absolutely is because it will make you to go and do things you wouldn't do if you understood your purpose and were on your a-game so that's you know with lack of purpose we do have a purpose um and we need to discover that and, and walk with other men that can help us you know identify what that is and then how to be able to uh, pursue that Amen. Amen. so then number two um came out to be lack of respect no, I I got that one. I I went, yeah, I do struggle with that. Most men do, and I gave that to the lion. And the reason I gave it to the lion, you know, when you think about you know hyenas, you know, lions, the females are, are the hunters for the most part, and the males typically are, you know, they're doing the perimeter walk and making sure everyone's going to be okay, and they're not afraid of hyenas. And hyenas have the strongest bite in all of Africa. And I was I was coming back through one of the gates. Um, in Africa, and I hadn't shut the gate yet because I had gotten a phone call. And as I'm standing there with the gate wide open into this complex, the one of the rangers there came just yelling and cussing at me and, you know, shut the blankety-blank gate. And I was like, dude, don't talk to me like that. Immediately I felt disrespected. I didn't know what was going on. And then he explained to me, you have to shut the gate because we had, we had lionesses laying out in long grass waiting for the gate to be open because they knew that every single day there's going to be a smorgasbord of people right at this gate. He says, we've been attacked. So he says, when I tell you to shut the gate, you shut the gate. Well, the, the, the disrespect that I was feeling you know, right off the bat, as soon as I got to the truth of the situation and what was going on, now I understood why he was speaking to me the way he was speaking. I was, I was speaking for a juvenile prison not too far away from here. And this one kid they brought in late to my speaking. And when we were done, he came up to me and, and uh, we were talking for a moment. And I said, Hey, I saw you come in late. Everything okay? He says, Uh, he says, I got into a fight. And I said, You got into a fight? What about? He said, Man, one of the other guys said that he dissed me, man. He totally disrespected me and goes, I don't let anybody diss me. And I said, Let me ask you one question. If you didn't need his respect to be okay with you, in other words, you're getting is good enough from how the man treated him. I said, if you didn't need his respect to be okay with yourself, would you have needed to have gotten into the fight? He goes, huh? And I said, if you are totally confident in who you are, it doesn't matter how anybody else speaks to you. That's their problem. Mm-hmm. So the disrespect thing, if you have someone running up your bumper in traffic and you know and you can't get around and they're doing that, you immediately feel it. But one of the things that I do, like when I've had that happen, is I have to go back and, and use empathy. Well, Jesus did that masterfully. You know, when I had, um, I was about nine years ago, my parents were in a terrible car accident. A girl um, rear-ended them. And I was going through um, downtown Indianapolis looking for a taxidermist after a bear I'd gotten on a hunt. And it was a rainstorm, and I've got my phone in my hand with the GPS because I needed to be able to see it in the rain. And these guys in this big four-wheeler came by me and they see me. And this guy's got his hat spun around backwards. Got a big chew in his mouth, and he begins to just yell and cuss me out. Well, immediately I started getting really mad, and anger is going to be the next one we'll talk about begin to boil up inside of me because I was thinking he shouldn't be talking to me that way because he doesn't know why I have my phone in my hand. And then God said, "Wait a second, Brent. Remember when your parents were rear-ended by that girl?" And uh, I was like, "Yeah." He said, "You know, maybe they had something similar." So he's like saying, "You know, get off your phone. Pay attention to the road." See, empathy can change things very quickly about how we feel about something. It's getting to the truth. And when we don't know someone else's story, I think it's really important that we use empathy because now that decreases, you know, our um, anger, mm-hmm. which anger was the third one, which I gave to the Cape Buffalo. You know, anger is something that I think that a lot of men deal with. You know, we have that thing that's like right under the hood and it doesn't take much to set it off and we're going, why am I so angry all the time? You know, the, the tailgating thing can get to it, you know, like that, that, uh, the redneck guy that was cussing at me can do it. But anger, um, it eats a lot of guys up. We begin to make really poor choices when we get angry. And empathy is one of the things when we can get into someone else's world to try to untangle why they're struggling with the anger, it really helps us walk through that. Yes, and then the fourth one, um, I gave lust. You know, this is the elephant in the room, right? That, that, that a lot of men, probably all men struggle with if they were honest. Um, and so, you know, elephants. The really amazing thing about an elephant is, I mean, they're you know like ten feet tall at the shoulder, but you can be going through the African bush and almost not see them because they blend in so well. But when you're when you're driving through, um, you know, like South Africa or whatever, and you see an elephant, like in Kruger National Park, you'll see trees pushed over. Well, the reason they do that is when they when they're needing water and they don't have it's not the rainy season, they will take a, a, a tree been growing for you know 40 50 years push the thing over pull off one of the roots which has water we call the, we call these elephant toothpicks mm-hmm. and they walk away rotating and chewing that one um, root in their mouth to get the water and that tree is destroyed one root well here's what a man does you know after 30 40 years of marriage all of a sudden he's bored or whatever's going on feeling lack of purpose and some lady pays attention to him and the next thing you know he's getting involved with her, and that marriage for 30 or 40 years gets destroyed. Mm. And the enemy got into his head somehow and says, you know what? That beautiful woman over there would make you feel and look like more of a man. And so men find themselves going down that unhealthy path because it's all about identity. She would give me more worth and value. No, she doesn't. It's a lie of the enemy. And so then the last one is what comes out of that, and that shame. The the big five man killing number five. Mm -hmm. I gave that to the leopard. And the reason I did that is when you're looking for a leopard, you you look for the trees that have like a warthog or an impala skull or a wildebeest skull at the base of the tree. Just like when you're looking for turkeys and, and when you're hunting, you're looking for feathers or droppings or whatever. If you look at the bottom of the tree and you see those, you know that's a leopard tree. You know, a leopard might weigh 120, 150 pounds, but he'll take an animal of equal size and drag it up into the tree and then he'll hang it over the branch where everyone can see. And that's exactly what the enemy does with us. He brings back up our sin, and he puts it out there for everyone to see, to make us not feel good enough, causing us to go into hiding. You know, I always say, you know, why is it that the, that the Christian army is the only one that shoots their wounded? And they don't just shoot their wounded sometimes. You know, that sin that you've had that gets exposed, they'll, it's like you get drugged through the city streets, and then they hang that up at the end of the city to make an effigy out of what you did. Mm-hmm. In other words, to say, don't you ever do that again or we're going to put more shame on you. And if you go back into biblical times, you had, you had um, murderers, and what they would do is they would, they would chain the corpse of the one that they had murdered onto the back of the, of the murderer, and he had to walk around with that rotting, smelling flesh until it, and, and infected into him, and he died a very shameful, painful death. And that's what the enemy does. He wants to say, you know that sin you did back there? Yeah. You're going to carry that the rest of your life. You'll never be able to be ineffective as a believer reaching others, because what if they knew about that sin? Or I'll make sure they know about it. But your worth and value doesn't come from that, and it never will. Jesus died for your sins, all of them, Amen. and he did it once and for
1: all. Amen, Brent. We're looking at 947. Thank you for joining us here this morning on Stand Up for the Truth. I'm uh, the guest co-host this morning with uh, Crash running the Board, and uh, we are here with Brent Henderson. Uh, Brent is going to be uh, our featured speaker at the Sportsman's Dinner Outreach Event coming up on Friday, September 22nd. Brent, it'll be great to have you there and uh, serve the men together on um, that night. What I hear yeah. you saying, Brent, and you can elaborate on this, uh, are you saying that these five have a tendency to avalanche right into each other? Once yeah, it gets they started? do.
2: Yeah, you think about just if a man feels lack of purpose um, and he doesn't have anything driving him, and say his wife speaks up to him and says, you know what, let's go back to COVID, for instance. Um, you just got to go find any job. I don't care if it's pumping gas, stocking shelves. Well, let's say the man, you know, had his master's degree in something and he had a really great paying job and he's got to go back to doing. Now he feels um, like his wife was disrespecting him. And what happens now? He begins to feel anger toward her. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, he's looking at some other attractive little thing out there because now he's lefting because he was angry at his wife because he felt like she disrespected him because he was lacking purpose. And then what ends up happening after that? He feels shame. Yeah, You can see how that just avalanches one into the next.
1: And that shame basically convinces him that he can't manage his sin. Uh, he, yeah. He's feeling hopeless at that point. And does that lead a guy then to isolate himself? And that's the concern we have within our men's ministry at our church. How many guys sitting next to us on a Sunday morning are isolated and not really connected with other guys to... Uh, you know, spur each other on. You encourage each other. You even rebuke each other if necessary.
2: Uh, Lee, I told you just before we get on the call, I was doing a game dinner two nights ago down in southern Indiana. And two guys came up, and they were, you know, former military guys. And they said, you know, what are you going to be speaking on tonight? And I said, well, one of the things is going to be how dangerous men, you know, we don't walk alone. We, we have brothers. We have a brotherhood with each other. And they both got choked up and couldn't talk. And they said, we were just talking about that because we feel like we've lost that. And that is one of the most dangerous places to be. Yeah. It really is because you feel like you're all alone. You're having to manage your, your stuff, you know, by yourself. And that's when we act out.
1: Well, one thing that has been a blessing to my life is being around other godly men uh, where we can share life together, go through life together, share in the struggles. And, boy, when you hear a guy's testimony or story about how he came to Christ and what his life was like before that happened – it it's powerful beyond even a pastor's message on a Sunday morning. The true story of what God has done to transform a man's life is is, is a powerful, powerful story.
2: And, and the thing is, too, the enemy wants to silence that man's story because if I tell this part of my story, you're going to look at me differently. Yeah, there you go. But what you discover is when shame no longer holds you back because you now know your identity and you can share anything, you can't beat a dead horse. And it actually draws people to you rather than driving them away from you, because now they're going, how can you just freely be that honest and authentic? Because my identity comes from Christ. And look what he's done in my life. Now God gets the glory. That's what God has a plan for us to do.
1: Amen. Amen, brother. And you say in your book, the only answer to these struggles is when a man realizes that his worth and value will never come through what he did or didn't accomplish whether he has others' respect or whether he did or didn't sin. A man's identity in Christ will never come through his performance, but only through Christ in him, which is something he cannot earn. It is a gift. What a blessing, Brent, to have that gift of being in Christ and knowing that he loves us and he's interceding right now on behalf of us before our Heavenly Father in heaven. Uh, knowing that we're all a work in progress, we struggle with things in life, but he's there to see us through and to give us the strength to avoid these five man killers.
2: Um, You know, coming up on my podcast, you know, again, I don't think I'd said anything about that, but the the podcast is called Unleashed. You can get it on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Mm -hmm. whatever they do. But I'm going to be talking about the big five man man killers coming up on there. I'll unpack all these, these things as we and I'll have different guests and things on too. But, man, when we can... Harness those big man killers in such a way that we learn how to untangle them. I you mean, know, it says that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Well, who does the transforming? Who does the renewing? I can't transform myself. My job is to renew my mind. God is the one who transforms me. And the way that He does that sometimes, like I said, challenges are gifts. Um, you know, I'll just say something real quick. I know we're getting a little bit short here, but. I was working with a man who had been caught um, in pornography heavily, and when his wife you know, saw it on the computer on a Friday night, she you know, kicked him out of the house, told her daughters, told the pastor. He was kicked off the leadership team at church, all this stuff, and I was speaking in that church on a Sunday morning. And after the service, the pastor asked me if I would go back and sit down with this man. And so I walked back there, and there was uh, some, I don't know, a very workspace based elder, let's put it that way, who was using a lot of shame and condemnation to try to get the man to repent or change his ways or whatever. And when he went out the door, I sat down. The man was a mess. And I said, hey, let me let me do something. And I drew on the board. Um, I drew um, two two different columns on here. And one column uh, was going to be about, um, you know, the good things that are happening right now and the bad things that are happening right now. It's basically a cost benefit. I call them advantages and disadvantages. I said, what's the advantages of what just happened to you this weekend? He says, there are none. I said, well, what are the disadvantages? He says, well, I was kicked out of my house and I can't come back until I get help from a counselor. I said, all right. So I wrote that down under the disadvantage. He says, I don't know how to pay my bills. She does. I said, okay, I wrote that down. I don't know how to pay my bills. He said, I don't know how to cook. I wrote that down. I'm going to have to learn how to cook. And then the f- final one, he said, I'm so humiliated about what happened um, with being kicked off the leadership team. I said, all right, let's go to the advantages. He said, there are none. I said, well, you said you get kicked out and you have to meet with a counselor. I said, is that a good thing or a bad thing? He said, well, I guess it's a good thing. An advantage, I'm going to meet with a counselor. Advantage, I'm going to learn how to pay my bills. I'm going to learn how to cook. And he said, but what about the last one? You know, i was I'm humiliated. I said, let me ask you a question. Is humility, walking in humility, a good thing or a bad thing? Hmm. See, the lies of the enemy hold us down. But when we untangle them, we see God like like he did with David. He needs us to see something so we can become healthy and, like James 1 says, mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Amen. Beautiful story.
1: Beautiful story. I, What you're saying, Brent... I hear saying that these challenges are gifts, uh, even though the consequences of the decisions we make at time are are very damaging to those that we love and those who are around us, but sometimes the most difficult things we go through become the very things we need to find healing for ourselves. so yep. you know we look back at our lives, the difficult times we've been through, the things that we've done wrong, that we regret. God has used those. If we have an identity in him and we truly trust him, he will use those to shape and mold us into the man that he wants us to be.
2: Um, And I have respect for a man who could admit his shortcomings and say, but that's not the real me. That's the enemy who was messing with me. I bought into his lies. There was a consequence. It has changed me. And now I want to go and do the right thing because I love God, not just to get God's approval. When I see a man admit his shortcomings and then step up to do the right thing, because he knows the gift he was given i have total respect for that man amen
1: but to know the gift he was given that he couldn't earn that he couldn't pay for uh our pastor this weekend talked about the crucifixion of jesus christ in great detail what he went through on our behalf is beyond anything that we can even imagine in terms of the suffering and the pain but what hope we have in christ we have eternal assurance because we're in Christ. We are part of His body. I mean, all of these things are things that, if a guy would focus on that, Brent, based on what you've shared with us this morning, uh, he will find that purpose. Why he's here, why he's alive, why he's got the opportunity to serve the Lord and be of value, to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And yeah. boy, that mindset, uh, if that takes over our thinking and we're engaged in in serving in our church or in ministries uh, for men or whatever it may be leading our family. It really equips a man to help put up um, the armor that he needs to stand against uh, the uh, works of the devil in his life.
2: Well, and we know that when a man is involved in something that's bigger than himself, when he's a part of that, he finds his purpose. And in that he finds his passion. He finds his joy. He finds his peace. He finds that fire. I mean, it's, you know, being involved in what God has for you changes everything.
1: Yes. Yeah. Fulfilling that purpose that he has in mind that was predestined long before.
2: Yes. Well,
1: we're coming up on a few minutes here before we wrap up our program. And so uh, any final thoughts, Brent, as we uh, wrap up this great visit today? It's been a joy to be with you, brother. I look forward to seeing you in about five weeks. But uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up today's Stand for the Truth?
2: You know, we've been talking about identity, and I think we get that, but the whole purpose thing, God will lay breadcrumbs down. If you're paying attention and you learn how to hear the voice of God, remember how we talked about that? If you have an unhealthy thought that's causing an unhealthy emotion, you know you're buying into a lie. But when you find those thoughts, like, I wonder if God would want me to do that because I'm really passionate about it. If the emotions that begin to come out of that aren't, you know, fo- like focused on fear or worry or doubt, but more like peace and, um, and joy.
0: I have to butt in. Brent and Lee, we are out of time. The topic today, identity and the big five man killers. Remember the website, unleashed.men. Unleashed.men. Thank you for listening to Stand Up For The Truth.